And the Sharks lose for a seventh consecutive uh, effort tonight against the Nashville Predators. one nothing in overtime. Ekholm with the goal that seals the deal. The Sharks are now just waiting for that E by their name. We'll talk about all that and more on this edition of Teal Town USA After Dark. But first, if you want to be a part of the show and interact with us, Teal Together, check us out across all the social media platforms, that being Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the YouTube chat, which we are monitoring. Of course, all your comments, too, on those YouTube videos, the SoundCloud, the Reddit, and of course, all of the shenanigans that go down in the Discord. Check out all of that and more on TealTownUSA.com. I am pleased to be joined by Dana Meyerson. Dana, how are you doing this evening? The pleasure is all mine. <laughs> um, well, I have a new microphone. Uh, the Tankathon people are happy. Yes, indeed. The tankathon. I, I don't know that I'm one of them, but... <laughs> the Tankathon is uh, seemingly in full effect now. <laughs> um, you know, of course, the Sharks losing tonight's effort one nothing. although I think we can all safely say from this one that that uh, goaltending was not the issue <laughs> uh, few and far between uh, actually because um, quite honestly the Sharks had no real business being around tonight at all and uh, Capo Kakinen with 40 of 41 saves tonight and just doing yeoman's work keeping the Sharks in the whole time in this game I mean from puck drop you could see Nashville being very dominant um, getting shots on net, getting a lot of zone time, and really capping and keeping, uh, you know, keeping the team in it. And uh, good on him in that first period. The Sharks would have five shots on net to Nashville's eleven. Dana, I mean, besides goaltending, I mean, and, and I'd love to hear your take on what you're seeing from Capo Ka- uh, Kakinen and and what's making him uh, really work, uh, you know, within the Sharks system right now. Um, but just overall, I mean. A little bit of bounce back physicality wise, but still lack of offense. Yeah, no physicality to say the least. Also, is my mic picking up the cat crying in the background? I'm not hearing any. Uh, Perfect. Any cats. <laughs> that is 90% of why I bought it. So there you go. Um, yeah, um, I think I, I kind of knew going into this game, one of the reasons I signed up for it was because I was like, okay, like teams will come back against someone who embarrassed them last time. Um, so I figured there was going to be some some feistiness even um, just at the start, and there definitely was um, some pent-up energy. So I did enjoy seeing that. Um, I usually am like conflicted when it comes to fights because like, yeah, they're entertaining, but you know, people can get hurt. But um, yeah, um, I I did enjoy seeing that aspect at least. Um, And yeah, again, I could go on all night about um, Kakanen. He looked really good. Um, An issue that I pointed out a few games ago was um, getting a little too far out of his net. And I think he has improved on that. And then also when he did do that, he would get back really quickly if he needed to. Um, So maybe, maybe he listens to us. I think it's suspicious how many changes they make that we point out. 
some secret Teal Town listeners. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe. I, I also know that um, Cappy had been taking some time with um, Nabby and uh, really trying to hone his game. And a uh, game, and of course, Nabby was notorious for for being a guy who would come out and challenge and, and being very aggressive, but also, um, you know, getting back to his net. So I think like you had said just adding on top of that you could definitely see his game uh, get a little bit of growth to it meaning just seeing him stay home a little bit more often maybe not venture out as far as he was and and honestly just a really good balance and and that's what I thought that I saw tonight was a good balance of aggressiveness but also a good um, a good understanding of when he needed to kind of pull back into his net, especially on the two on ones, especially on the three on one. And, and we'll go through it. Uh, we, we'll go through the, the scoring chances here in a second. But I mean, within that first period, you, you did get some of the chippiness going early two minutes and three seconds in uh, Mark Borieski and uh, Jeffrey Vial uh, both dropped the gloves. It was a pretty one-sided affair as far as fights go. Um, you know, they had mentioned on the broadcast tonight uh, that Borvietsky had just gotten some dental work done, um, you know, mouthful of stitches. And there he goes taking some punches from Vial right in the face. And uh, oh boy, you know, it just man of the hour. Uh, yeah. But you just looked at his face and then you looked on top of how Vial hit him. And it was like, oh, God, he's going to be feeling that tomorrow or at least. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, instant smelling salts, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I had, to be honest, barely heard his name until this week. Um, I guess getting cross-checked by Malkin is a quick way to get famous. <laughs> and then I Googled him, and apparently he stopped someone from robbing a car while he was out shopping for baby clothes one time in Ottawa. So, yeah, yeah. He, he seems like a cool guy, I guess. He's, um, from everything <laughs> that I've heard, he's one of those guys that's a glue guy that is just... One of the ones that you hate when he's playing against your team, but you love him being on your team. Just a, a, a thorn in the side, you know, a guy who is willing to, you know, stick up for you know any of his teammates. And um, again, good all around dressing room guy. And tonight you just saw him kind of engaging um, the Nashville team you know getting them all engaged in that very early I mean we saw continuous checks throughout that first period and um, you know we did see uh, we did see a power play from the National Predators the Sharks were able to kill it off and I mean we saw more of the same going into that second period it just seemed again the Nashville Predators were wearing down on the Sharks. The Nashville Predators would end up getting 15 shots in that second period. The Sharks with only eight shots. Dana, I mean, how did the Sharks just keep it together through two periods of just onslaught? Because it seemed like they couldn't even move the puck out of their zone for long stretches of time. Uh, pure nervous energy. Um, <laughs> that's how they did it. They got lucky a lot, though. They got lucky with the um, the offside, obviously, um, and um, also like a lot of posts that one time where the broadcast almost said it was a goal. Um, I just luck. <laughs> yeah, luck. Uh, in that second period, like uh, uh, Dana had mentioned, uh, the 
Nashville Predators would score what what would seemingly be the go ahead goal. Um, unfortunately, the the play was offsides. The Sharks did catch it, did challenge it, and it did get pulled off the board. And that's where we would stay. Nothing, nothing going locked into that third period. You know, from a statistical perspective, the Sharks did a better job in that third period with nine shots, but again, to Nashville's 14 shots. And in the last 10 minutes, I mean, Nashville just threw everything and the kitchen sink towards uh, Kapo Kakin. And, and again, Cappy just standing in there with with uh, an awesome effort. And one of those, one of those efforts that kind of goes to show you what you've got um in uh you know in this prospect and and i don't know it gave me some hope for the future in the nets for the sharks dano do you what do you think about cappy long term and uh, and what he provides for the team um i mean i was just saying puck guy on the last one like for the first time in a while goaltending is not at the top of our list of uh big concerns especially going into the off season um i think the getting a um a goaltender wasn't necessarily something we expected to be getting at the trade deadline um if we did then it would have been presumably like in a rhymer trade um but i mean hey like it is a good pickup um a good option especially if maybe they are kind of questioning hill um if he's what they want to go with um i love rhymer but you know this this does make it so that, you know, if and when they want to get something back for him, going to a team who wants that kind of established goalie, maybe needs a solid backup they can rely on, um, will have to, you know, NHL, I don't want to say NHL caliber because they're both younger, but surely one of them will end up being NHL caliber and they can kind of like challenge themselves. Yeah, I or, think yeah, challenge each other. Yeah, I, I think you're you're definitely on to that point. And and I had been talking to um, the Canadian robot <laughs> Ian Reed uh, about just kind of the the state in which the, the the I guess the direction in which the franchise wants to go with goaltending because they do have two uh, 25 year old goaltenders who both big big studs in the in the uh, in the nets one six five and the other six four. Um, both athletic, both have a lot to bring. I think both are unproven. We've seen Hill be a little bit more fragile than uh, than Capo or Reimer this year, um, but I think I I think that there's still a player there in Hill, and and I'd be very interested to see you know when he gets healthy and when he comes back next season what what exactly they're going to get from him and if they can have that uh, tandem playing off of each other. Uh, we'll get quickly to the uh, comments right now. We've got some some great stuff coming in from AJ, who is on the media call. AJ, thank you so much. Uh, this is from Bugner. I thought Kapanen was our best player, make big saves when we needed, had some decent chances, would have been nice to score for Capo. He deserved it. Uh, okay, second one coming up. Uh, I thought we established our game. It's what we wanted to do. Couture came out hitting. We took hits to make plays. I thought we answered the bell. Uh, the shot clock is a little deceiving. It was back and forth tonight. A hard road game. We need more puck luck, more shot, shot volume. And uh, the uh, we've got, oh wow, we got a lot coming in from Bugner tonight. We created a lot of turnovers, squeezed well, we're tough around our net, boxed out well. Okay, some more cliche. Um, oh, 
But here's something kind of interesting. We don't really hear a lot of Bolsters praise coming from Bugner, and we're getting some a little bit tonight. Bolsters was good on the puck tonight. And uh, hunting down, I thought Rudy was good and got rewarded. Um, let's see, anything else uh, of note? Uh, we've got some stuff coming in from Cappy. Uh, we were all in this game, but we can take a lot of good things for being a road against a good team. Uh, guys block shots and box out this time of year. That's huge. This will lead to success all coming from Capo Kakanen. Uh, so, I mean, the guys are saying the right things. Um, you know, I think you give up 40 shots, you're giving up, you know, 41 shots and you lose one nothing. It, it's a very deflating type of game, especially for the guys in the room because, you know, they feel like they needed a score for their goaltender and stuff. But it seems like Capo uh, Kakanen has been doing a really good job just staying even keel and, and being you know, emotionally stable and, and steady. And I think that that's, again, uh, a steadying presence in the nets for this team, I think, is, is nothing but a good thing. What What's your thoughts on on his playing style and just his demeanor, Dana? Maybe a little bit different than the brooding Martin Jones? Yeah, Martin Jones was always an emotional roller coaster. Um, his cockiness, uh, rebound control is really good. Um, I They said that on the broadcast, which I'll get into in a sec. Broadcast was really good. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, like uh, most, not most, but like a lot of goals are scored on the rebound. Um, and so if he can lock that down and not allow that, then... That's a really good skill. In that second period as well, we'd also have a Nick Malosh uh, fight against Nick Cousins. This one was a little bit more even, uh, you know, evenly matched. Um, you know, it was a big hit. Then, um, you know, Nick Malosh comes up, steps up and, and, you know, answers the bell. I thought, again, pound for pound, physically, the Sharks did a good job staying with it with the Predators. Um, but I think you could definitely tell that the there was talent mismatch on the ice tonight, you know, in, in Nashville, that blue line is just so mobile. It just creates so much. And you, you think, boy, the sharks should have the pieces to, to similarly match that. And yet, you know, here we are still talking about defensive miscues breakdowns by 88 and 65. I'm, you know, I'm scratching my brain when, when there's two minutes left, Dana, in that third period and EK 65 and Brent Burns are on the same unit together, the same five man unit. And I'm just thinking, boy, this is prime for EK losing it on the boards and having a two on one going the other way with, with Burns, uh, you know, getting the starfish defense out predictably. We didn't see that, but what we did see was still a lot of, um, deferring of the puck from one blue liner to another and not really getting a lot of shots in from that blue line tonight. Uh, if we look at shots on goal generated from the blue line, four shots total, that's it. Not good enough. Not good enough. What would you see from the blue line tonight? And, and maybe that can start to explain why we've had this, uh, this offensive lights out period. To answer your question, what did I see from the blue line? Not a lot. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, obviously some blame to Boogs because just because putting Burns and Carlson on the same unit worked one solitary time um, is not an excuse to keep doing that. Seriously, everyone is screaming into the void, like, please stop. It's not going to work. Um, but I mean, I just, it's just like a lack of, I, I notice more of, I, I don't know, I don't want to try and like get into their heads or whatever, but um, I feel like sometimes EK65 definitely goes through these periods where I can just like read it on his face. Like he's kind of like checked out a little bit and like, I love him. I love him to death, but like, I mean, at least like if you're going to be in your feels that way, like bottle, excuse me, bottle it up when you're on the ice and in front of everybody. Cause like, you gotta be a role model to the, to the rookies. Like if you're feeling frustrated, like you can't be, showing it to everybody um or at least if you do back it up with with a good game right right with logan logan and ek had it out at at the end of that vancouver game and i think it was a little overblown by the media of course i think the media wants (laughs) to wants to stir the pot and make something there that that's not but what i what what i do want to say though is that coach came out tonight with a very physical game coach i think for every shift that he took, he was either taking the body, getting the puck up the ice. You could see that he was locked in, and you could see that he came to play tonight. And it was good, at least in my opinion, that when the captain calls somebody out, he then goes out and he leads by example. And I thought that that was good on Couture. EK65 on the other end of that, uh, receiving that message, played Better than he did against Vancouver, which isn't saying a lot, but I still think that that I would have liked to have seen more coming out of out of EK tonight. And and again, I just have to look at shots on goal. He had one shot on goal, one hit, but two giveaways. I mean, two giveaways and a minus one. He was out there um, on that that uh, goal against in overtime. I guess we'll we'll finish off the game. Uh, in that third period, there wouldn't be any scoring. But again, the Sharks would be down on the shot clock going into the overtime period. Uh, Ryan Johansson, ah, they changed it back to Ryan Johansson. So it had been gone back from Ekholm to Johansson. Now it's back to Johansson. So let me go ahead and finish that graphic up one again. So that was his 23rd on the season. Ekholm and Forsberg getting the assists there and... You know, people saying blown assignment, people saying, you know, it was ran, ran out of gas on the last of the, um, you know, the, the last of that shift in overtime. Dana, what did you see from it? And ultimately, whose responsibility is that there? Um, Got the gift right in front of me, but let's see. Whose number is that right there? Who was on the ice during that? Okay, there's EK. Yep, yep. That was him, as I suspected. Um, I don't know. I think, as you said, well, God, I don't want to say, I would want to say talent mismatch, but EK65 should not be a talent mismatch. Like, I am an EK65 apologist. I am a stan. I do love him. And I say this with all the love in my heart, but, like, if you're going to be the top-paid defenseman in the league, like, you can't just, you can't even just be, like, good which he hasn't been in the last few games anyway. But even if he was like, you know, when you're on, when 
you're on the ice in OT, like you need to be relied upon. You need to be, you know, you should be the one creating the play that wins, you know, not like allowing. um, I I don't know. It just. Yeah. And and I'm with you. I, I have tried to be at least pretty objective when it comes to EK65, really just kind of going down on. Okay, here's this. Here's the factual work, the statistical work. Um, here's what I see, you know, demonstrating on the ice. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, he's being paid like this, like like he's Sidney Crosby on the blue line, and and he should have that kind of effect on a game as a Sidney Crosby. I mean, maybe one step below a Connor McDavid, but. You know, this was this was a cat who was considered to be one of the best players in the league, not only just as a as a, um, you know, as a skater, but as a defenseman, one of the best players in the league. And and seemingly he goes through these spurts of disinterestedness um, and has it has it been worth has has he brought enough to the table to overcome or or I guess to justify his his cap hit and justify his positioning on this team and his ice time and leadership and all of all of the other things that go along with you know with the EK65 package and and to me like you, you you just look at it and you go I I can't make two plus two equal five here you know he's he's not bringing it commiserate to what he's getting paid and, and what is expected for the team. And I, and I think he's, I I would like to think that he could be part of the solution going forward. And especially if you're able to get out of one of those three con, one of the three big contracts from the blue line, that he would be part of the future and part of, you know, bringing the Sharks to the next level of success. But with this attitude like this and, and seeming ebbs and flows in, in the given F meter is if we'd like to pull something from Puck Guy, I don't know that he's that player at this point in his career, Dana. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could sit here all day and like, it's not exactly a hot take um, that, you know, he hasn't, lived up to the contract where I'm at is like, I have to always just hope that the next game is going to be better. Um, and that, you know, because he has these, um, you know, few month stretches. I hate that. I have to be like saying this, like, this is the good thing. I mean, you know, he, he needs to be playing up to his contract at all times, but he'll have those stretches. Like there, you know, times, um, this season towards the start of the year when it was like, I was so smug. Everybody out there saying EK65 is washed, was eating their words. I was loving it because I don't think he's washed. And I, even now, like, I don't. He's not old enough for us to say he's washed. Like, that's I mean, just my opinion. He should be in his prime, right? I mean, at, right, at his right. age, you know, and as a defenseman, this should be the best that he's going to ever play. And I can confidently say this is nowhere near the best we've ever seen this player play. No, um, no, but again, I guess my point is just like, I just have to keep hoping because 
we're not trading him. We're not buying out his contract, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, I still, I think he's still that player who won two Norrises, but um, just, you know, what can we do other than hope and sit here and rant on our post game show? (laughs) And maybe, maybe the loss of a Middleton is a bigger effect than we no, because those two had had such good chemistry throughout most of the season this year. And, you know, when when Carlson was going through that, he, he did have a very good stretch of play. I think it was a good two month span sometime in um, I think it was November, uh, right? That, that November, December time frame where he was, um, you know, putting in some really good work. And this was about the time that Middleton was starting to bloom around him as well. So. Losing your consistent D partner is is a shock to to any any pairing. I don't care who you're you're talking about. If it's a second coming of Nick Lichstrom, you know if you if you move off of the guy that he's been playing with for the majority of the season, it's going to be uh, a little bit of a, of an adjustment. But Dana, from what I'm seeing, I'm not seeing adjustments being made. I'm seeing pity party and um, a guy who is just crying because his toy got taken away. Or, or at least from from his play on the ice and from some of the I like some of the looks that he gives some of the the size that he has on the bench I mean it doesn't go unnoticed this guy's body language is all over on the ice and it and it's and it shows that this is a guy who I don't know if he doesn't want to be here. I don't know if it's still a, a question of, you know, that that grass is greener on the other side in, in Ottawa. But he's got to be part of the solution if he wants to be on a winning team. And that's what I would tell him. Yeah, no. And again, all I can do is sit here and hope that he can be and will be. I mean, he's always been a little bit of a drama queen and and I, I love him for it most of the time. Um But yeah, like, as you said, like, yeah, um, losing your D partner is going to be a shock. But A, that was only his D partner all year. It's not like they've been paired up, you know, paired up for years and years and years. But also, like, you're going to lose, you know, players are going to come and go. That's life. Um, If, but again, like you said, I think the bigger, the or a big part of the issue is that, clear display of emotion like again like you can be feeling it like be in your feels whatever but um you can't be a almost (laughs) debatably veteran player I don't know where the veteran cutoff line is but but you know a player who has been around a long time and has you know has no excuse to be um showing you know like I guess wearing his emotions on his sleeve to that degree. Um, I don't know. And again, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze him, but if me sitting here at home on my ass is, you know, on like (laughs) seeing on TV, those displays of emotion, then like they've got to be there. I don't know. And Mikey J, thank you for, for commenting in. Um, EK65, not even close to Yossi McCarl or Carlson type of impact player. And I think he, when he says Carlson, he's talking uh, Carlson out in Washington. John Carlson. Um, no, Milker Carlson. <laughs> 
And we have a Melker Carlson uh, reference there. Drink, everybody who's uh, <laughs> who's following along. I, look, I at this point, you know, like you had said, this is a bone anchor that the Sharks have got around their necks, and they've got to wear it, and they've got to figure out a way to get this guy going. Um, whether or not that's going to be via a move that the Sharks need to make, whether it's pairing it with somebody who, you know, pairing him with somebody consistent, whether it's finding somebody else to play with him who can help him, you know, unlock the the game that he has shown in the past. Um, he looks healthy-ish to me. I think the arm and the shot when he decides to take a shot looks good and deceptive and seems like there's a lot of strength on that puck so I'm not seeing any injury things here I mean everybody's got something at this point in the year but you know to me Dana this this just is it's just a mental thing I don't know very 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 much getting the mental vibes off of Carl for EK65 at this point yeah, um, I don't mean to drag up last year's dirt, but um, his comment, like, I didn't come here for a rebuild, that really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I don't, I don't want to go back into it, but like, look, when you're, <laughs> when you're an NHL player, when you are a professional sports player in a team sport, there are going to be times when the, uh, you know, the the other players on your team aren't the best players in the league where your team isn't doing well. Like not, I'm trying to think of any team that in a 15 year span has never had some kind of rebuild or retool. Um, And so like setting everything else aside with the contract, all that, like, uh, I don't mean to drag it back up, but, but that I feel like encapsulates at least how it seems like, he's feeling like I came here to win and um it's you know not happening so I don't know if if he wants to be traded then trade him but I I don't know and I, I want him to be part of the solution oh, oh yeah he's like a child that I'm I'm not mad I'm disappointed yeah no I mean the type of player that that he was and the type of player that he's shown to be in his career was what the Sharks were looking for, adding, uh, adding instead of having a Brent Burns who's more like a blunt, you know, a, a blunt instrument or a, or a, you know, like a Viking longsword, if you want to call it from a medieval weaponry perspective, whereas, you know, Eric Carlson is the finesse rapier, you know, that will go in and you you have a, a fencing match with and and is, you know, his ability to distribute the puck, the ability to have a deceptive shot is, um, you know, the hallmarks of his game, whereas Brent Burns, again, is a bruising, hulking, you know, shoot from anywhere, wild man, and, and you have what you would have thought would have been this iron fist and velvet glove type defensive game. And, and we're not seeing it. Um, JT coming in with the rest, you know, c- coming in with some shots on the rest of the decor JT, you know, we, we, we love all of the, uh, the differing opinions. So everybody bring in it in the chat with the differing opinions. We love it. Of course, stay civil everybody. Cause you know, we're all trying to figure this out for the sharks sake. We're all on the same team here, <laughs> but um, you know, the defensive depth is what it is, and we'll take a look tonight at, at the, the minutes, but where I have the issue, 
JT and and for everybody else who is who is kind of on the the EK65 apology train is Brent Burns shouldn't be playing 25 minutes at this point in his career. You know what I mean? And when you've got a coach that is playing Brent Burns 25 minutes and playing Jason Magna 22 minutes and you know sheltering a guy like Nick Malosh and you know trying to extract whatever value you can out of, out of the husk of of Mark Edward Vlasic now we're starting to talk about deployment issues and starting to talk about uh roster configuration issues and full coming full circle why is Ryan Merkley off again on this defense I mean have we not talked about how we need to incorporate more youth <laughs> we've already we're I mean look we, we, we we're just we're waiting through a seven game losing period. What do you have to lose at this point? And this starting and stopping on Ryan Merkley is just driving me batshit crazy. Dana, help me walk me off the ledge here. I don't know that I can, but I'll try. Um, yeah. I mean, every, every, I feel like everybody's in agreement. Like we, we're not making the playoffs like, hey, like, just see what you've got, you know, Merkley aside, like, we know Merkley is one of our top prospects. That's not even a mystery. You know, it like now's the time to try a lot of different things. <laughs> I'd love for them to bench Eric Carlson. <laughs> I know they won't. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like Merkley tries on a night in night out basis. He makes some st- some dumb plays but it's because he's trying new things i've been very happy with him and um and he looks like he wants to be here uh, not only that dana but <laughs> just going back on ryan merkley he's a guy that p- will put butts in the seats i mean you saw some of those pirouettes and some of those beautiful passing plays that he has and he just dances on the blue line and you get up and, and as a sharks fan you go man i want to come to the tank to see that kid walk on the blue line like that and now yeah 100 percent. it's like why are you taking this away from me (laughs) i mean granted it was an away game so technically it doesn't matter who you play to put butts in seats but but like i said like he's he's trying apparently that's the bar right now uh uncle uh uncle damphy Okay, okay. I'm I'm wondering if he's if this is a Vincent Domfus reference and uh, and uh, if it is good on you because uh, that's that's pulling it back from the OGs. Who? <laughs> Vincent Domfus? <laughs> Who? <laughs> That'd be back in the Larionoff days, long time ago. Uh, does anybody think I'm crazy for thinking Drew Remenda could potentially be a good fit as a coach of this team? I like his brain and he seems to be current with his mindset. Well, he was at one point. <laughs> but was also uh, behind the bench for one of the, well, actually the worst season in Sharks history. So I think the ship sailed a little bit on that one. Dana? Oh, you know what? That's a perfect segue because y'all know I have my post-its. Oh, and probably half of them are just, <laughs> are just love letters to Drew Remenda. Um, <laughs> no, I was like, he makes it easier for me as someone taking notes on the game to have insight into the game. And it was just, I like realized halfway through the first period, I'm like, oh, maybe I feel like I'm taking good notes and maybe that's because the commentators are providing insight that isn't just 
you know, agreeing with, um, you know, oh yeah, to echo what you said, Randy or whatever, whatever. I love, I love Hetty. Being Christy Yamaguchi's trophy husband is <laughs> is hard work. I love him. Oh, <laughs> we'll just call him Mr. Yeah. Yamaguchi, okay? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't get your last name anymore, um, Hetty. It's you're you're you go by Yamaguchi now. <laughs> yeah. No, I love the guy. I'm sure he's great, but it's just it's night and day. Um, it's like that warm. I I, I, I mean, we we've talked about it in in our DMs. It's like the warm blanket just coming right over you. <laughs> you know, you just yeah. you hear those two, and it's like. Oh, things are okay. All the again. birthday talk, <laughs> but I loved it. I and then they showed his brothers, and uh, they shaved their heads <laughs> in support. <laughs> no, I love him, and I, I like have some notes on specific comments he made, like after the offside challenge. Uh, not all heroes wear capes. Some are video coaches for the San Jose Sharks. Where's the lie? Um, he had a lot of good insight on Kakinen's play that I feel like. Um, heck, a lot of what I said tonight is just exactly what he said because I couldn't have said it better. Um, yeah, no, I said it just wrote Drew Remenda making my heart happy, uh, 60th birthday. Yeah. And, uh, JT, I will always, this, I will go on my, I will go down on my deathbed saying that Eric Lindros was taken from us because he had to go to a traditional hockey market. Uh, end of rant, but yes, he should have been a shark. <laughs> Eric Lindros, shark. I was not alive then, so cannot comment. <laughs> or was I? What year was that? Uh, <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> well, I wouldn't remember. Nine. I think that was the inaugural year. I think it was the '91 draft. And yeah, then I wasn't alive. Yeah, very much not alive. Yeah, somebody correct me in the chat if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's '91. Um, Sharky boy, no, I do not have an OnlyFans. Um, I am just, Boo. I just taken off my shirt. I have a baby Yoda whole, clutching a San Jose shark t-shirt. And uh, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites. Um, I have a sugar skull. Um, I don't know. I think this was playoffs 2017, um, which Ooh, oh, nice. it went away from my mic. But uh, yeah. Awesome. They always do awesome, great um, Dio de los Muertos, uh, you know, um, Hispanic heritage collabs. I've always loved the the styles that the Sharks have, have gone after with those collabs. So that's a great T-shirt, by the way. Uh, and uh, thank you, AJ. Correct. Uh, good on there. Uh, 1991 draft. Landy, it wasn't even a debate. They didn't want Lindros to go to an expansion team in San Jose. Exactly. Which is they, they, they took him from us. He should have been. Um, you just look at how... Um, just look at how Vegas got, how they were treated in their expansion draft. Look at any other expansion draft. I mean, the Sharks got hosts. Yeah, Seattle got veneers. <laughs> veneers, veneers. <laughs> <I> said veneers. <laughs> I've been watching too much Love Island. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> they all have the teeth. <laughs> if you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. We all we all have that one. We all have that one show that we. Uh, that we hoard and binge and we keep to ourselves. <laughs> no, mine mine is hoarders because I'm a little bit of a low key hoarder, like not the way those people are, but it's like I'm scaring myself into giving stuff away that I don't need because I'm like you don't want to one lady bought an entire empty hotel just to store all of her stuff in the rooms. So 
<laughs> uh, Sharky boy, someone be better be checking the Venmo. AJ, you want to check and see if uh, if we've got any Venmo tips. And of course, thank you everybody for uh, donating to the Venmo and donating to the super chat. Venmo at Teal Town USA. We do this uh, after every single Sharks game. We bring all this content for you, for the fans. It's live, uninterrupted, and uh, unedited, unfiltered. So we do that for you. <laughs> Remember to subscribe. I have a. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I have a post it, that same post it where I wrote the comment about not all heroes wear capes, but we need to start using Venmo donations to get Remender a raise so that he'll do all of the all the broadcasts. You know what? I, I it, Look, if Hassel Plotner really does sit down and listen to the broadcasts as we've been told he does, and that he likes to listen from from afar, and one of the reasons why said Mr. Remenda was not brought back was because of his evolving take upon the Sharks was not looked upon with the greatest of admiration by the uh, team's owner. And uh, honestly, <laughs> that's why. And uh, so, you know, going into next season, it would not surprise me if we uh, if we get a little note coming down that's saying, "Hey, look, you know, they're, they're reuniting the two because the the broadcast is just at a different level with with Drew and Randy together versus Hetty and Randy." And look, I mean, when Hetty and Randy came together, I thought that they had some really good initial chemistry. But I think at this point, it's so much it's so much regurgitation and not regurgitation in the way of I'm going to expound upon what my play-by-play guy is saying. Instead, it's a straight I'm going to concur and reiterate in the same way. Basically, you know, the, the parrot, the parroting of, of, the, um, of the play-by-play. And I think what drew brings on the color side is a different perspective and i think he adds a teaching element which he had lost at the end at the end of his tenure i can say that he was starting to be a little bit more frustrated and you could hear it in the broadcast at at the results on on of the team and i think that that was bleeding into the pot into the broadcast which i think was part of the whole dilemma that was brought upon but I think at this point in his career, he kind of understands that that doesn't add anything to the broadcast and that he can be better served by educating the fans. And I and I like to think that he's gotten that back into his broadcasting game through this time around. What, what have you seen, Dana, this season as opposed to previous seasons that you've watched him with his difference on the broadcast? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think... Um, you know, you want to be honest, but also if somebody is tuned in to this game, then they probably just want to hear you break it down, um, and comment on it. And, you know, it don't, you don't necessarily need to integrate all of the context of, you know, how trends, that kind of thing, negative trends in this case. Um, but I think he does exactly that. He made for me, taking notes a lot easier. Um, how am I supposed to take notes on, oh, you know, don't get too cute, don't get too fancy, which is just like, ugh, because that's that's what young players bring, fun, ingenuity, not old dino 
fossil, uh, you know, just <laughs> like doing the same boring thing forever. Um, Plus a closet full of, yeah. of Bay Area Emmy Awards doesn't hurt your cause uh, either. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, not at all. Um, I mean, I think I think Hedy could be a good broadcaster someday. If those are his, you know, hopes and dreams. But um, maybe back to broadcasting school for just a little more. <laughs> I don't want to stomp on him too much, but <laughs> no, and 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 I think that, like I had said initially, Hetty had some really good chemistry, especially after Jamie departed the broadcast, and and I liked Jamie Baker's perspective being brought on the broadcast with Randy. Yeah, he had his Homer moments too, but I thought Jamie was somebody that we all kind of connected with, part of of Sharks history gone by and when he left there was a little bit of a vacuum on who was going to take that spot and who was going to continue to to push the torch forward on the color side and and Hetty stepped up to the game and and that's you know I will always appreciate and always like to think of the good things that he brought and that stability that he brought to the broadcast through that that um kind of trepidous time and you know, for that, I want to thank him and stuff. But but clearly, Drew and Randy are just a cut above. I think most in the hockey industry would have told you that the Sharks would have probably been in the top, at least top eight of all broadcasts in the NHL with Randy and Drew together. I would put them in the top five, to be honest. I mean, I love um, Danico over in... Um, in uh, Detroit, um, and uh, I've I always used to love um, uh, LA's um, Bob King, right? And that what his name was Bob. Uh, one one of the the longtime Will LA, Ferrell, yeah, yeah, Will Ferrell, longtime LA commentator. I mean, there there are certain broadcasts that you just key in on that are you know part of NHL tradition, and I felt Randy and Drew were part of that. Um, but Hetty is just kind of a different creature at this point, and um, I think it's pretty clear the results from the broadcast. I think are pretty night and day. So that's on my that's on my uh, Sharks Christmas list. But Dana, I, I want to bring it kind of full circle now and, and talk about the last thing we kind of wanted to go over was you haven't been here since the GM news has gone down. I haven't talked about uh, no, GM stuff I was either. On the last game. <laughs> so. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the news and where the Sharks are going and what this team needs? Bob yeah, Miller, thank um, you, Puck I I actually was on the um the uh, when was it Saturday or Sunday? Uh, I I did the Canucks game, um, so I did actually get a chance to um to comment on DW, but I can just reiterate. Um, I mean, he's well, you haven't talked about <laughs> it with me. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I mean, he like I. I grew up with his team. Um, he's been the Sharks GM for as long as I can remember, um, even before I knew what a GM was. Um, I mean, I have nothing but love and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know it's easy to look at um, the last few years um, and see a lot of moves that didn't go super well, but he never really had none that I can think of any moves that were like um oh my god what was his name um the guy who used to be in Vancouver uh like that level of stupid you know like um yeah yeah or like um 
just those super head scratchy moves where you're like, you know, he, what he did, I 99% of the time I could see it made sense from one perspective or another, whether or not it panned out, even the EK 65 thing. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I wish him the best with his health and, um, I, I hope he remains a member of the sharks family for a you know, many years to come because he is maybe, you know, um, outside of like, uh, Thornton Marlowe paths or Nabokov, whatever, like, you know, at, from a, not just a player angle, he's been the most important person in our franchise really. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I'm just looking through, I'm looking through some, uh, you know, looking through some potential hires, that might be kind of interesting from the shark side. And, and from my perspective from Doug Wilson is this, I mean, Doug Wilson tried to put together a team every year that would compete when he felt that he didn't have the pieces and needed to restock and rejigger and reconfigure the way in which the team needed to play. He did that. Um, was a good and loyal, uh, good and loyal manager to the players that played under him. I think, you know, um, AJ and uh, and Jerk have have both said it quite often. Though his number one strength could be his number one weakness, which was the loyalty and the fact that you know we saw the way in which the Sharks cap structure changed. Now, whether that was market influenced or whether it was just what the Sharks were having to pay to keep their players. I mean, that was, that's kind of in vogue at the moment, you know, DW has, you know, followed that structure, but was it, you know, something that he wanted to put forward? I don't, I don't know, but he was, it seemed like his hand was a little forced kind of there at the end to, to maybe, make some moves or, or recommit to players that should have had um, more scrutiny placed upon. And, you know, you know who I'm talking about. And, and again, we don't need to rehash and, and go over it again. But, you know, I think during the, the last few years, I think he had, um, I think he needed to maybe have a little bit more due diligence with, with the way in which the contract structuring ended up going and, and kind of has, has handcuffed us now, but of course hindsight's 2020. Um, and, and at this point, I think the sharks have pivoted enough to where they've, they've restocked the farm quite a bit. I mean, we'd even talk about, um, you know, Tommy Bordalo getting his, uh, ATO, his, uh, his Barracuda contract. Now he's going to stay with the CUDA, probably going to be up this week with them playing games. Uh, but that will not affect his ELC, his entry level contract or his pro contract. So going into next season, all three years of his ELC will be intact. The timer will not start, uh, for him playing, uh, on the Barracuda. And that's why he was signed to the ATO and not to his ELC for anybody wondering. We were kind of going through that uh, in the DMs this afternoon. But yeah, Tommy Bordalo, boy, this is going to be a guy that's going to be really, really, really dynamic and somebody I'm looking forward to. Dana, I mean, out of all the highlights that you've seen from Tommy, what, what, are, you, what are you most excited for him and what he brings to the team? I need to look up more highlights. <laughs> 
Um, so I don't have a ton of like super specific comments, but, um, I mean, I was just thinking today about how like a few years ago, you know, when I was trying to think like, who is up and coming on the sharks? It was, I'd kind of have to rack my brain and think like, well, this guy might pan out, this guy might pan out, but it's like, no, we have prospects who we can point to and we can say like this guy, Marge, (laughs) I don't know if you heard that. Um, but like guys we can point to and be like, no one's a guarantee, but like you'll probably be an NHL or if not, you know, have that um high ceiling to be like a really, really good player. Um, you know, we've got multiple guys like that. Um, so I I I know everyone kind of overrates their prospect pool because they're your babies, but um I think our baby sharks are gonna be great. And that's one of the reasons that it's easier for me to kind of write off this year and be like, eh, you know, it's just a, it's a practice run for me to get my Teal Town career going. So I don't have to, um, <laughs> to be like <laughs> covering a team that's working towards something this season. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I want to give a shout out to, uh, Anushra Vatsa in the comments. Um, oh, okay. my boyfriend, um, <laughs> Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Uh, how do you say, pronounce his first name so I don't get it wrong? Um, Anushrav. Anushrav. Okay. But you can call him Anu. Anu. Okay. Anu. Welcome to the chat. It's awesome to have uh, have your girlfriend join the crew, going through uh, going through this crazy sport we like to follow. Uh, boy. Sometimes, He's a trooper. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you gotta wonder, right, <laughs> about all of us. Um, but uh, no, I, I'm I'm really I'd love to see the Sharks poach somebody off of Tampa Bay. Um, for me, you look at well, technically they did. Oh. Magnus Corona. Oh well, no, okay. But I, I mean, as far as as a GM goes, yeah, from the GM perspective. Oh, from a GM, yeah, I was gonna be like, well, technically, I mean, we sent. Who would we get back for Goudreau? Was that was just the pick, right? Uh, I can't remember. Goudreau was the first rounder that we got back, and then we got we, we just traded um, one of the goaltenders over to uh, to Tampa Bay. It was like the last second deal. Um, here, I'll pull up the trade history. But like, I'm looking at like Stacy Roest, or I'm looking at uh, maybe Matthew Darch. Um, you know, guys that are plugged into either de- the development of that system or operations within Tampa Bay. I mean, you just, you're, you're looking at the, you're, you're looking at the upper echelon teams and you go, okay, what are they doing? Right. Drafting and development player personnel decisions and coaching. They've got the trifecta working there. You need to bring some elite, elite uh, minds and you need to surround um, the current staff and, and, and augment them with, with a new perspective and a new way about going things. Cause I think the sharks, if anything, if we can all agree on, on one thing as a sharks fan fandom and fan base together is that this team is stale. I think, I think that this, this team is stale and it needs a new set of eyes, whether that's going to be coming in from new kids coming in from trades coming in from drafts, but there needs to be a fundamental shift in the direction of this team. And you hope that somebody from a winning organization and a winning culture could come to this team and, and show this team how to 
succeed in this next iteration of the NHL, right? Because I think post, you know, post lockout for about eight years and pre lockout for about three years, you could say that the Sharks were a dominant team and understood fundamentals and how to work within the NHL system within those times. But since I would say since we've gotten beaten in the finals in 16, I think the team has been trying to chase a winning formula that they don't have, and they don't they don't have the pieces to do that. And I think that they need to blaze their own trail instead of playing, keeping up with the Joneses on on everybody on how uh, you know to go about winning a Stanley Cup. But that's kind of my last inputs there on the GM search. Dana, if you want to take it away on the last thoughts for the GM search, where the people can find you and what you're doing these days. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have to disagree with you a little bit because okay. I think with the, um, you know, we we made the playoffs the three years after um, that run, um, you know, getting to the getting kicked out in the first, making it to the second and then making it to the third, uh, respectively. But there was definitely a sense in that um um, conference finals run uh, in 2019 that they just kind of ran out of gas at a certain point. The injuries were piling up. And I think that's when, um, you know, it wasn't necessary. It was a, a, a more gradual transition because, you know, we still had that team on the ice that was making noise, but the prospects pool was starting to get a little thinner. So, um, yeah, but I think we're at the point where like we, you know, we have a core that in theory if we did act- if we did have more young um top tier players coming in, then um then we we would still have a a good a t- contending team. Um but yeah, I think that that loyalty that DW always had is a is a double-edged sword. I will say I prefer it to getting the kind of reputation that Vegas has gotten. Um, you know, at least if you're too loyal, um guys will want to come over cuz they're players if if they if they know that this management group um will stick by the guys they have. Um yeah, so I guess yeah, those are the end of my thoughts on that um it's it's been a wild ride but i'm i'm always kind of i go into every season um thinking yeah this year the sharks will get back on it and whether i'm right or wrong i'm still always gonna go in with that attitude because you know defeatism is no fun not not accusing anybody of that um you gotta go in with hope i think think, because if you if you go in thinking man it's gonna be a lost season it's it's not gonna be fun and and like i've been trying to convey to everybody on the podcast you know you've got to um you've got to now pick what you're looking for in these games because if you're just looking at it and taking it on the whole and taking it on aggregate watching seven losses in a row is 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 tough but if you're looking for development if you're looking for you know the new kids and you're looking for the bright spots um it it makes the game a little bit easier to 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 watch and, and enjoy so always keeping that great attitude dana that's yeah, awesome. I mean, surprisingly, I've enjoyed quite a few of these losses, including the game tonight. Um, I, I liked when Hurdle got into a fight and then was then just calmly addressing um, who's a Borowiecki again. <laughs> um, it's it's always funny to see because it's like he 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 can be tough. He can got a 
big ass he's checking everybody with but then at the end of the day he's still you know a, a sweetie <laughs> um so like just little things like that I, I do enjoy so it is what it is all right well if you want to you want to give a shout out to your social media channels and uh mm-hmm. where where we can find you and, and what you're doing yeah um so you can find me um at dn D- <laughs> can't spell my own name i swear it's only been one seltzer um d-a-n-a-m-e-y-y dana may um that's also my handle on instagram um but most importantly i'm gonna go get the true social media star okay she's getting her social media star (laughs) uh for for me you can check me out at eric landy e-r-i-k-l-a-n-d-i across all the social media garbage here vamping while while Dana comes back with her star. Ah, there she is. There's March. <laughs> yep, you can find her uh, at Margie M A R G I E underscore the Queen on Instagram. Hashtag, and she does follow back. Hashtag Teal Town Pets. <laughs> well, in case you missed us and you want to check us out again, check us out across all of the podcasting platforms: Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, the YouTube Rewind, SoundCloud, Spotify. Tune in radio and of course iHeartRadio. Check out all of that and more across TealtownUSA.com. So for both myself and Dana, keep it real, keep it teal, keep it real teal. Thank you, everybody, and we will see you after the next game.